G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. On a Thursday, we always enjoy a catch-up with Family Voice Australia. Charles Newington is the National Director of Family Voice and on the line with us once again. Hello, Charles. Welcome back to 2020. Uh, Thank you, Neil. Great to be with you. Charles, uh, some significant things happening. I know that uh, earlier this year, around Australia Day, we had some significant controversy over people defacing uh, some of those statues, prominent statues, the likes of Captain Cook. Well, there's some big developments that are happening in New Zealand. Uh, where a statue of Captain Cook that stands on a mountain in New Zealand is going to be removed because the local mayor says... He's been dead for a long time. Uh, there are these sorts of things that are uh, these going on around the world. Uh, what are your thoughts about these developments? Yes, um, well, history's moved on, hasn't it? And uh, there's a, a tendency to look back now on the sort of colonial past um, with very different eyes and to realise that the colonial history uh, was not necessarily so wonderful for the for the First Nations or the Indigenous peoples of the nations that were settled by people like the, uh, the British. And um, I, I use this phrase, a long journey toward national reconciliation. It is a long journey in which we, um, we, uh, we make room in our lives for the conversation about the past and the ongoing impacts of the past uh, today. And I find that actually quite fascinating because we've got a kind of a rush to the future, haven't we? It's like um, everybody wants to sort of get to the future in a hurry, and yet our past is catching up with us all the time, and it's... It's making us um, it's making us ask real questions about about the kind of um, world we're going into because of the world we've come from and and I do think for us as a nation that this long journey uh, toward national reconciliation is something that uh, that that just must come up in our hearts um, uh, particularly for Christians in a in, with a new sense of importance. Um, well, I don't know how that sits with you. Well, Charles, when Australia Day rolls around again, and it won't be too far away, uh, we'll be having a similar sort of debate going on here again. But it's not just Australia; it's not just New Zealand. No, happening in places no. like Canada as well. So, uh, yeah. lots of Western nations uh, struggling with this idea of dealing with colonial past. Yes, I think that, um, you know, it's a very uh, politically sensitive question, but I, as somebody who grew up in, uh, in, in colonial Africa, for instance, and has travelled through India and places like that, I've seen the, uh, um, personally and uh, through my family, I've seen the impact of colonialism and uh, I've seen that it was mixed, you know, that in English and British colonialism particularly, there was there was this mix certainly of what we might call, um, you know, well, it was dominance. It was it was um, it was invasion. It was it was 
it was um, uh, colonisation. Uh, but there was a sense of moral responsibility as well. In spite of the rivers of blood, there was a sense of moral responsibility in things like schools and uh, hospitals and um, infrastructure and, and all these sorts of things also a part of the package. And it's not easy to quantify uh, the positives and the negatives. And I think this is true for our story too. The thing is that what um, you know, some of us want to do is focus entirely on the positives and ignore the negatives, ignore the, the, the actual, the, the tragic consequences. Uh, recently, my wife and I were traveling through uh, New South Wales and uh, we were just listening to a great, a great book, uh, audio book by, um, by Terry Smythe about uh, the Mile Creek Massacre. And it was, uh, we, were just ha- we just happened to be right there, coincidentally, driving through that country when we were listening to this. And it, it reminded us of the fact that so many places in Australia have got their own story that, they're not, that lots of people are not aware of and that there isn't a context for conversation. And I, I'm, I'm asking Christians to consider this as part of our, uh, our ministry to the nation, uh, bringing about um, a, a, an improved sense of relationship and a sense of uh, reconciliation. Well, uh, I'd ask us to just take a role in that. Certainly significant for us as Christians to have a balanced view of all of these yes. things when it comes to uh, coloni- our colonial past. Uh, but as you say, some of the atrocities that have gone on over that time and Christians in the middle of all of that and an important role to play when it comes to issues of reconciliation. Look, it's the, these things are being debated uh, in all sorts yeah. of levels and one of the issues, of course, that comes out of this uh, is the way that uh, people are trying to shut down, uh, talk about yeah. uh, a uh, you know looking at the triumphalism of a colonial past, the idea of free speech on university campuses. Uh, you've been reflecting on a recent article in The Australian by Emeritus Professor Stephen Schwartz, who remembers how yes. important free speech was over decades. Yes, it is It is such an important issue. And I think that, um, you know, at the present moment, there's, there's, a, there's such a push, isn't there, to, to class some kind, of, uh, some kind of speech as offensive. And... Um, um, and it's so ironic because, you know, not so long ago um, um, there was such a, pr- a pressure for full free speech and, the, and the, the status quo wanted to shut it down. And now the status quo is flipped, you know, and now the status quo is politically correct, you know, who want to um, uh, shut down any criticism or comment uh, from a centre-right or a right position. And uh, that's the nature of um, free speech. I, I just think there was a great quote there uh, where he, he made the observation, quoting uh, Professor Anderson. He said, uh, there is no absolute right of free speech. It exists only so far as people are prepared to maintain it and fight for it. And uh, while we might want to change the word fight, you know, we've got to kind of, we've got to defend it. We've got to maintain it and defend it. And that's where we are just now. We're in this big national conversation of how we defend free speech uh, because it's, it's so fundamental. Once that shuts down, uh, you know, all sorts of things follow. Well, if we are to be vigilant, then the idea of a fight or a struggle for free speech is going to be an important part of that. And, of course, it brings into focus, too, just the recent upsurge once again, uh, talking about the controversy over this uh, Ramsey Centre 
donation for yeah. uh, the studies of Western civilization. I mean, uh, these sorts of things are prominent too and uh, involve our universities, involve free speech, involve this idea of not neglecting our uh, colonial past or even our, when we talk about Western civilization, oftentimes, uh, which you don't see in the reports that you read in the mainstream media, we're talking about a Christianized past often with uh, this Western yeah. civilization. So, uh, yes, this is a part of the whole thing too. Controversies over uh, whether these sorts of things can even be taught in universities. Yes. Uh, Paul Kelly recently wrote a lengthy article in the Australian called Democracy on Life Support. And he, he just cited book after book uh, in which authors were talking about the way in which democracies are coming under extreme pressure uh, from, from within uh, as people, you know, are calling into question their values, etc. And he writes this, he says, every axiom of Western life is in dispute. The meaning of marriage, how we should die, how we raise and educate our children, how we treat religion, etc. He says uh, the, the, the foundations are disintegrating. And he quotes Ferretti, who said, As things now stand, Western society is estranged from the values that inspired it in the past. And um, one of the things that uh, Paul Kelly's not ready to acknowledge is he's not re ready to acknowledge the role of um, evangelical Christianity uh, as the, that which provided the values that inspired Western civilization to some degree. Of course, it wasn't the only factor, but it was a very it was a very uh, moderating and moralizing influence uh, that that took us back from the extreme. So that if if colonialism or industrialism went to one extreme or another, you know. It, it kind of it, it called people to account, and uh, and I I've been reading an amazing book by a man called Stuart Piggin, who's a, uh, an academic historian, who's written this book about the role of evangelicalism in uh, Australian history, and he right from the very beginning he just demonstrates how time and time again people with a strong sense of biblical conscience uh, engaged themselves in public life in order to make sure that public life didn't go to one extreme or another, and. Uh, and I'm really very strong about that, that I think that uh, too often the church focuses upon, it sees its mission as the personal conversion of an individual, rather than what flows from that into the, firstly, the person's family, and then into the society um, of which that person is a member. You know, our conversion is not just a conversion to resolving our own guilts and shames. It's a conversion that enables us to be salt and light in the society in which we're a part. And I, I, I just uh, to make my point, you know, uh, sometimes historians refer to the Wesleyan revival as that which uh, uh, saved uh, England from the kind of revolution that was going on in France and in so many other parts of Europe. And I, I know there's some dispute about this, but my point is this, that the Wesleyan revival was not just a revival of personal faith. Uh, it was a revival of the involvement of people who'd been transformed by the life of Christ, their involvement in their communities. And it's absolutely staggering to see uh, what Wesley was doing, for instance. Uh, it was, uh, I'm, I'm amazed at it. I didn't realize quite how much he was doing in terms of facing up to the, 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 the needs of his community at the time, feeding the poor, helping the unemployed, helping the sick. He did this course on basic medicine in order that he could give basic medical skills and advice and help to people that were just suffering from the kind of maladies of poor nutrition and things like that. He just put such a huge emphasis upon the fact that we cannot separate the actual 
physical and emotional and psychological realities of human beings from their spiritual reality, and it, it comes together. And and so, um, you know, when I uh, when I think about where we're at as a culture today, I really encourage people of, of Christian faith to recognise that we cannot allow our society to drift. We we need to engage on a local level and uh, and as uh, as churches and communities to help to address the needs of our society. Powerful thoughts, Charles. I'm always inspired uh, by this idea that sometimes we think uh, Christians, uh, the thinking that we have on issues to do with public life today, somehow or other are a marginalised position. But in fact, uh, as you demonstrate, uh, there is tremendous depth in Christian thought about these sorts of issues because when we talk context, sometimes we talk context, uh, say, since Federation or context back to the arrival of the First Fleet, uh, you know, context when it comes to uh, this idea of our colonial history. But as you quote Stuart Piggin, his context, uh, just in the title of his book, uh, takes us back to like 1740. Uh, so, and he's talking about Australian history that goes back 50 years before the arrival of the First Fleet. And what he's taking in in context there, of course, is exactly what you're talking about, uh, the issues that came out of that Wesleyan revival and all of those yeah. things that have shaped us as Australians right from our very beginning. So our context goes way beyond uh, our more recent history uh, and it takes in all of these Christian uh, and and I might say uh, just fabulous positions on how we actually behave as a nation. So uh, exciting stuff to talk about and, uh, and really worthy of some more consideration for people who want to read some more about those sorts of things in history. Yeah, it's a wonderful book. Look, I just, I know we're running out of time, but this is the thing that the Wesleyan Revival did. It, it didn't do this as a, you know, as a kind of a, a, a national campaign to take uh, England captive um, for Christianity. It did this because there were real needs in society, and it was just meeting those real needs. But what it provided was it provided a unifying ideal. And that's what's happening in our society together. We don't have a unifying ideal. One guy here, this is Furetti, you know, he writes to say that, that, that we are not handing down to the next generation a unifying ideal uh, that holds the nation together because politics doesn't do that. It's an undergirding in the culture itself that holds the political institutions together and holds them in balance. Uh, you lose that cultural ideal and, uh, and the political system starts to unravel and so it, it needs this, uh, this cultural foundation. And, and, and I suggest I'm not calling for some kind of a you know, narrow-minded uh, uh, kind of attitude to, toward faith. I'm, I'm calling for a faith that realizes what it is to live in a democratic society, that that has to be broad and open-minded. But nevertheless, it needs to have some values about what, what is human and what the destiny of human nature is. Oh, I just must finish with this comment. You know, that, um, there's a guy, uh, Joad, who was a philosopher, and he talked about government. He said, you know, government may not think, and people in government may not think that human beings are, uh, are immortal beings, but they must act as if they are. Yes, Isn't wonderful. 
Wonderful thoughts in all of that, Charles. And, uh, you know, as my mind is racing as I listen to your uh, wonderful insights there, uh, recognising this disunifying that we seem to have in Australia right now. And, uh, well, some people will call it disunifying, others will call it a state of disintegration. But what that does for us as Christian believers is uh, we recognise that it creates an opportunity for, as you say, uh, those unifying collective values. And as yeah. Christian believers, the way we see the world, we have a very, very wonderful message that has a unifying element to it, oh, that yeah. has uh, just, uh, the, the possibilities for the future are wonderful when we talk yeah. about our Christianity. And, and it starts it, it starts there with the value of every human being, not just Christian human beings, but every human being that we as Joe said that we must think about them in terms of their immortality as it were, in terms of their real value and build a society around that. Uh, wonderful getting your insights once again. Charles Newington, who's the National Director of Family Voice Australia, let me point people to the Family Voice Australia website, fava.org.au. That's fava.org.au. No doubt uh, when you visit the website, you'll find some wonderful insights along the lines of what Charles is talking about today. Charles, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts uh, and your heart with listeners. Thank you for the opportunity. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.